24 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We do what we often do, uh, which is uh, to kick things off out in the markets. And, of course, markets having closed uh, um, just, uh, yeah, two hours and nearly 13 minutes uh, ago. Uh, but uh, a very tough start, I guess, uh, to the markets for one of the biggest counters uh, in the South African market. Of course, Process, Naspers and uh, uh, the impact and the implication of that uh, Congress of the Chinese Party uh, having some bearing on their outcomes today. But... Uh, Talking to us tonight uh, through this story and many others is Nesipo Maninjwa, Independent Market Commentator, Analyst and CA. Nesipo, good evening. Welcome. Um, evening, um, Aya. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, 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 good. So let's start off there with process. Uh, a lot of things happening out at the uh, party congress there of the Chinese uh, Communist Party. Um, and I think many reports have subsequently come out saying look well this reinforces the hold that xi jinping has over uh, the communist party of china but also uh, i guess uh, uh, in who has emerged in that politburo many of those who have been loyal to xi and also loyal to his zero covid policy which uh, by the suggestion being made has certainly muted growth um, in china and had a massive implication uh, on uh, demand conditions in that economy um, yes. So, um, as you know, um, for those who are not aware, the Chinese government um, is a communist party with capitalist underpin for the last 20, 30, 40 years, I would say so. And um, that has urged a lot, I mean, significant amount of economic growth in the Chinese economy. However, I would say in the last year and possibly 18 months, um, where whereas China was lauded as being embracing free market principles, there has been um, um, a tightening of the grip to, uh, by the Chinese Communist Party, specifically the, the leadership under, under Xi, um, to exercise control and influence around specifically the tech, um, the numerous tech billionaires. I think they started with Jack Ma and they then uh, went into regulation regarding uh, limiting um, time as um, time, specifically um, the gaming market. Then, on the backdrop of that, you've had COVID and um, presumably extreme. I think um, when you think of lockdown measures in South Africa, no one compares to what the Chinese did. Um, and it's still locked- ongoing, right? So, so don't say what they on- did, what they, they, they are doing. They were locking people in buildings and people would not move. So, and it's a very highly congested area. So, now with this political party conference, um, this is for those people who believe that it's only South Africa where political party conferences have no effect on uh, financial markets um, in the host jurisdiction, in the local jurisdiction. This is proof there was no new law promulgated that specific appointments and those who are loyalty parties were made and um, they sort of reinforced um, his grip on the party, number one. Number two, number two, you you have sort of like a bubbling under, as I'd like to call, bubbling under conflict as it relates to Taiwan. Um, Taiwan, we've seen how Russia and Ukraine has gone and um, as you know, the um, Chinese um, government does not recognize Taiwan as a separate um, jurisdiction. They believe it belongs to mainland mm. China. 
as you know, they, they believe it could be the to mainland China. So there's an, so there's another Russia Ukraine uh, 2.0, I would say, um, bubbling under and that circumstance. Um, so and you've had um, the U.S. again um, court, specifically Biden court, um, chip makers in Taiwan. And then you had last week with the U.S. Um, banning specific chip makers. And so this political conference was about who's going to be the next um, nexus of the leadership. And it just reinforced his control of the party, which means that a reintroduction, a reinforcement of the zero policy COVID, more restrictions. Of course, this greater government control uh moving away from the free market principles that have allowed Chinese to become the mega power that it is today, but to exercise control because uh, to exercise more control because there were feelings within in the party, depending on what you read um, from Bloomberg and Al Jazeera, as well as um, local Twitter, um, little Twitter social media comments. There's this belief that these tech billionaires and tech startups have, um, uh, they're a bit too free in terms of um, actions, particularly the founders themselves. Um, so they, they need to control them and sort of rail them in to remind them of who bought them mm. and who can take away their fortunes any day of the week. Well, also, in, I mean, I think, Snezipo, the, the other dynamic, just as we maybe, you know, put this one uh, to bed, um, has a lot to do with, I guess, the reading even by those platforms and even, you know, tech players of just the documents of the party, but also this idea of Xi Jinping thought um, and the implications that that has. I mean, one of the things that have been associated with this advance of um, opening up or reform, I don't know if I would call it capitalism per se, um, in China, is that it's also widened the gap between the urban and the rural and created the kind of inequality that I think scares the party. And, uh, you know, they then use... Uh, that concern around um, having more equitable access to livelihoods as um, as a mechanism also, I guess, to surveil those who've made massive power, who've gone for IPOs in the West and who've, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, become quite critical of the uh, Communist Party government. Um, yes, so there's that as well. Um, the, the need for uniformity, which is the base, the basis of communism, but also, it's been about, it's, it's fundamentally, I think that's a secondary to the need to control because you had sort of, I think, um, in the last, I would say, five, ten years, you had Jack Ma do TEDx talks, except you and talk about freedom and the communists. He even did um, the Alibaba IPO was um, New York listed, NASDAQ New York listed. in mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in presence over their own local markets. And you've got these, so they shut down Jack Ma. Guys, no one has heard from Jack Ma. I'm sorry, I've not heard a single peep from Jack Ma. Quick fight, because sometimes you have, it's, 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 it's control as well. So it has been, um, you have to excise the control because what it does is that um, it just it just makes them more loyal, number one, and mm. also anyone else that if they did this to Jack Ma, whom am I in this neck of the world? You know, I mean, Chuck Ma's a member of the party, right? Yes, so. he is. He knows. <laughs> He's a member. So remember, the Chinese form sort of the same um, the uh, same thought process as I would call the Russian oligarchs. They're all members of the same party, and they all know where their bread is buttered. And 
it is what it is. It is what it is. You mustn't, you mustn't be, I don't know why you're starting to talk about freedom of expression as if that's allowable. You must be, he got reminded exactly about ways Brady is busted and, um, you know what? Um, so that's part of what's done the huge fellow. So, um, I actually, I mean, I didn't know that it was, um, Chinese uh, political party today until I saw the markets. Um, I was, when I woke up with our first morning No, it wasn't today. It's Congress. Yes. It happened last well, week. We were, it started last yeah, week already. Yes, but we were the, the market just today reacted. I saw them. I saw, the, I saw Hong Kong and, and mm. I was like, what's happened? Yeah. And what's happened? What's happened? And it, it, it does speak to the power of policy conferences because mm. in no shape or form when I was reading through it and um, did they say they are going to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. But the appointment sort of have signals and um, specific um, force when it comes to um, policy direction. Mm. And, yeah. Just another thing that I want us maybe to, to just as we close this one and uh, take a look at some company news as well. I, I found it quite interesting how a lot of the reports, be it Bloomberg or even some of the more, you know, Western financial media, were often counterposing Xi Jinping against other, you know, past leaders, uh, you know, Hu Jintao, Deng Xiaoping, and many others, uh, and saying he is probably more autocratic. Uh, but I think, you know, that is probably just a superficial reading. I mean, Deng Xiaoping, who they love to the end of the world, also happens to be the same Deng Xiaoping who was involved in, you know, the um, um, killing of protesters, and many of whom were students, at the Tiananmen protests out in 1989, at the end of his uh, reign as, uh, you know, uh, secretary of the party and, you know, chairman and president of China. So so I think there's, there's often, I guess, uh, this reading of trying to say, no, this guy is distinct from what he wants. But um, effectively, I mean, this is part of the same uh, tradition of uh, leadership. But let's shift from that story. And I want us to take a brief look at, uh, yeah, some of what uh, came out earlier on today from Altran, uh, yeah, announcing a bumper interim dividend. What do you make of, I guess, this uh, half-yearly performance and what contributed uh, to uh, this massive payday for many shareholders? Uh, number one, they're printing money. No. Um, so, um, uh, uh, what well, I think, I think, remember, um, Altran is very much a, um, a finance technology player and a lot of their um, divisions have have sort of hit that sweet spot, as I like to call it, the J-curve. The J-curve. Um, so you've got situations where they, they were, um, in specifically some of the fintech businesses, where they've grown double-digit, um, double-digit growth. Um, they've also, um, they've also uh, held on to significant cash. They've made a few acquisitions. And all of this has been to sort of... Um, uh, stabilize their um, stabilize their their they anchor their position as a as a as a as a, as a lead in some of the sectors. Um, so specifically, their own platform they started very 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 well. And like I said, the fintech um, digital transformation also did incredibly well and managed services as well. So across all the divisions, um, there's been significant growth. But not just growth in, I would say, top line. There's also been profitability growth, um, which is, uh, I think, is, is quite significant. And they've done this mm. even across um, numerous supply constraints, logistics constraints, and um, 
they just sort of shown that um, they sort of uh, they sort of like a player, and I, I they did better than I thought they would. They would. So, so what's happened? I mean, as you say, operating profitability wise, what's happened in uh, that expense side of things in this business that has, I guess, given rise to this much better profitability? Um, so, the nature of software businesses is that they predominantly quite fixed costs, so that mm. and sort of grow double to triple your size without necessarily having a double, triple growth in your expense line. Sure, sure. And they also have the ability of attracting immunity income on top of your existing services business. That's why they are such Mm. a nice such a nice, um, so, Slesma, when you say they, they have the ability to attract annuity income, uh, what do we mean by that? It's more to do with their licenses. So, you've got in, in sort of how they contract to you, you buy the product, and um, you, you buy the product, you also buy sort of your technical support, your ongoing technical support, and then you also pay licensing fees, specifically specific one of their own um, IP that they've created. So, mm. So you mean like recurring money coming in, basically, but yeah, not once off. Not once off, which is one of the reasons why these things are to be so lucrative. Um, so once you you hit a specific um, um, sort of growth, um, you sort of hit a steady state on the operations business. As long as your top line grows, um, you're printing money because your profitability is not affected because your cost is cost is definitely um, increase to the level of your revenue. So that's sort of how they, they sort of do it as well. And mm. and think think about how and Netstar, how do you how do you pay Netstar? Um Netstar, some of us we get Netstar through our insurance. And so the insurance provider pays for the device unit, the ongoing subscription, ongoing and those are, and that's why they these things tend to print money. Mm-hmm. Then, Snesipo, the other uh, story that uh, I want us to look at, uh, it seems the issues of solvency rearing their ugly head out in the medical scheme industry. Uh, Mm. When we talk about solvency, what do we mean in relation to a medical aid provider? So in this case, we're going to talk about Transmed, and we're also going to talk about Medipos as well, uh, which um, represent workers at uh, Transnet, Prasa, and the South African Post Office, respectively. Insolvency. What, what does that mean? Okay. Um, solvency, basically, you've got two measures in terms of um, your um, your financial services. And each of them, okay, let me just start from the beginning. The FSCA sets um, what is, how do you, op- and measures your operational soundness. Mm. Operational soundness is defined within your liquidity as well as your solvency. Liquidity means, uh, in terms of uh, your current working capital cycle, so your debtors must debtors plus debtors must exceed your creditors at all time, meaning that you are liquid. So that talks to your ability and all operationally liquid, and your creditors are in this case paying your operating expenses plus any payouts that you need to be committed. So there's that liquidity. Then you have solvency. Solvency is a function of your accounting equation where your um, uh, owner's equity, um, owner's equity, which equals asset based liability. So in this case, we always have to say that your owner's equity must exceed your asset place, your liability um, by a specific um, ratio. So they set that margin and 
um, at that margin, and they said it's up for them. They said it at twenty five percent, twenty five percent from the industry medical schools perspective. Um, it could be higher and larger based on the number of members, but it is um, aggregated specifically and calculated to your specific business. Now, the issue is that Transnet uh, has a sovereignty ratio of 20%. Now, unfortunately, it has not managed to... Um, it is not within the requirement as per the licensing conditions, and this creates... Um, because they are a closed scheme, this creates a specific problem in that the problem of closed scheme that you've got a limited number of members so that you are unable to, um, if you find yourself in a below sovereignty position, you're unable to uh, trade yourself out of it mm. with, the, with the obtaining of new members because you have a set parameter in terms of number of members. Yeah. Now, yeah. that has a specific ramification in terms of um, your dealings with your close members. So there's usually two options in terms of how they look to remedy this. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, let's pause mm-hmm. here for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, um, you can continue unpacking that. And let's also talk about, I guess, um, the impact of a kind of demographic profile you have. So if you have a lot of older people in your scheme uh, in relation to younger people, what implication that potentially has for your ability to be solvent? 16 minutes before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We're at the tail end of our wrap of the top business stories and taking a look at, uh, yeah, uh, some of the solvency challenges being faced by closed medical aid schemes. So this is the kind of scheme where, you know, here at the SABC, Babaku Medical Aid, that would be our medical aid. Just like the, you know, uh, GEMS is a medical aid scheme open to the public. And of course, in some workplaces, you would have a medical aid scheme that is specifically for Abasebins, Balondao, ESCOM, Transnet, Post Office, and so on. Um, and uh, in the case of the Post Office, Medipos, and the Transmed, in the case of Transnet, uh, seeing some solvency challenges over the last while. Some of it has to do with COVID, but also SNESIPA, some of it has to do with the demographic profile and the age distribution of membership within some of these funds. And yes. Yes, it, 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 it is, it is, because remember, medical scheme, by nature, it collects money from members to uh, pay for um, to pay for procedures. And unfortunately, if you are of a specific age group, demographic, and are prone to certain illnesses, um, because we, we do understand the older you are, the more you visit the, the doctor. Mm. And uh, from an elderly age, and if you look at the average age of the um, the class A employee, um, it, it does present specific, quite challenges, but specific challenges. And if we think of the fact that by nature of having a close group, so I used to um, belong when I used to work as a banker, I was a member of BankMed. The nature of a close group is that the premiums tend to be um, less than the, um, because the idea is for it not to be profitable. It's the idea it's not a commercial it is a commercial venture but the idea is just to break even mm, sure, sure. so but not to maximize it, profits basically not to maximize profits mm. because it is for the it's for the benefit for a specific group so um, you would pay um, when I left to join the other medical aids uh, my medical aid premiums went up by over a thousand rand 
and I'm and I'm younger, but just to give you an idea of how well, how well, how well priced these uh, benefits are, because they're also not based on um, cover. They based they capped at a specific salary amount, which is to also enhance your um, after C to C, um, your make your C to C. Uh, better and also allow you to have more money in your pocket. So, mm. for example, to give you an illustration, which is why I think they have liquidity, and all of them are prone to this challenge. But if you have a high disease burden, it's sort of, it's just a matter of time. COVID made it worse, but it ultimately becomes just a matter of time. So, for example, if you're earning, let's say, a thousand rand in close scheme, the maximum you will pay in your medical aid would, let's say, be 50 rand because it's scaled according to your salary. If you were to go to the likes of outside premium, you'd be paying according to your cover as opposed to it being capped. Like, for example, the likes of Discovery, Liberty, or any of the other insurance, medical aid insurance. Mm. Uh, they don't really care how much you earn as long as you can pay their premium. So you'll find you're paying significantly more. Now, if your population, because remember all of these goes into a pot, is consistently withdrawing. You are a you are a liquidity trap, sovereignty liquidity trap waiting to happen. Sure, it's just a sure. matter of time. Now, this this is specifically a problem. So, in terms of remedy, because it's not uh, like I said, the mm. way that the way these things are structured, what tends to happen, in it, you'll find that if it's a single employer or an industry employer, they do one of two things. They rebase, um, they rebase your premium. Unfortunately, the cost of living is chowing all of us. Mm. So, and the, these companies specifically are not offering high increases. So sure. that option, I can tell you, is not even being considered. The second option... Is this Okay, so let's go briefly into that next option. Unfortunately, we're going to have to close here. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Just briefly with the second option. Second option would be the company steps in. Which would mean what? So uh, for this one specifically, as it relates to transit employees, they would have to step in. Mm, So what they would have to do is they would have to recapitalize, recapitalize the venture to the specific level that it meets regulation hurdles and look to um, for it to also be sustainable. Mm. Because this is a direct, like I said, it's specifically a direct incentive. It's why, and like I said, you pay, um, because I've been part of one of these schemes, um, you pay significantly sure. less. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to leave it here for tonight. As always, a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us.